Have you ever cheated on yourself? Find out if you have, and if so, how do you restore that relationship? Stay tuned. Hello and welcome. This is Raven's Fine Art. My name is Raven. And this week we're continuing our discussion of Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. We are learning how to become successful on our own terms. So the topic of faith and suggestion, these are actually two different chapters, but I'm combining them so that we can get through the book a little quicker. Also because these topics are related. So discussing faith first. So there is a biblical definition, which I really like. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So that is a great definition. It's very poetic. My definition is a little simpler and to the point. My definition of faith is just trusting yourself and trusting life. Okay. And I like to think of faith, especially in terms of achieving success in this world, in terms of like thinking of a faithful husband or wife. Now, when we think of someone who's faithful, what are the kind of qualities that we think of? Well, what I think of is somebody that's true to their word, somebody that um, they protect the relationship. They're not trying to lead other people on, you know, through flirting just to, you know, um, just to inflate their own ego, stuff like that. So they're, they're doing things, in other words, that support the relationship and don't tear it down. They speak the truth. They are where they say they're going to be. And you know what they're going to do based on their character. Okay. And those are the kind of qualities that engender trust. Cause when you say, do you trust that person? It's not something that comes out of the sky. You trust a person because their behavior is such that they engender trust. So a faithful person is somebody that engenders trust. So continuing on with that sort of metaphor of the husband and the wife, what happens when your partner cheats on you? Like, let's say you've trusted them thus far. They've never given you any reason to mistrust them, but now you find out that they have cheated. Okay. But they're sorry. They want to repair the relationship. So how do you go forward? And the reason why I like this analogy is that when we disappoint ourselves, either through failure of some kind, um, not meeting our own expectations, we promise ourselves something and then we, you know, we dip out on ourselves and we're still in January. So you can think of New Year's resolutions. You know, you were full of faith on January 1st and by the 31st, you've already forgotten what you've even said you were going to do. You've told yourself this, that, and the other, and it still hasn't happened. So these kind of things are like cheating because they have the same effect as cheating does in a relationship. You start to not really trust yourself. Why? Because you, you didn't have the qualities of a, a trustful person, a faithful person. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. You weren't where you said you were going to be. So now, even with yourself, you have a relationship with yourself, which is the most important relationship you can have. And you, you don't trust yourself any longer. Okay. And so in order to have faith, you have to have trust. Okay. And so when that's broken, we have to then rebuild. Okay. 
So when it comes to your relationship with yourself, the best way that I've found to rebuild is through actions, through actual habits. And the best way is to start small. Um, like in the example of a, a husband who cheats on the wife or vice versa, when someone cheats on you, you kind of have to start over. Not kind of have to, you have to start over, okay? Because now you don't know who this person is anymore. You had full faith in them before and now you don't. So you're starting over from scratch. So it starts with the little things. So a person who is genuine about wanting to be forgiven and rebuild that trust if they've cheated on their spouse, they're gonna have to micromanage themselves and to really be very transparent more than they used to before because now trust is broken and it's always harder to reestablish trust than to establish it in the first place, okay? So you're gonna have to overcome now all this doubt that the person has because they trusted you before, okay? And, over, and you've shown them through however many times you cheated, whether it was a one night stand or you had a relationship going, so you basically lied to them over and over again every day that you didn't tell them, every day that they didn't know. So think about that. You're going to have to now redouble your efforts in order to reestablish that trust. And same is true with yourself. No matter how many times, like whether you've let yourself down only once, which is highly unlikely, or whether there's been many times where you've tried things and then quit, or you've set a goal and then given up on yourself. So now you're gonna to have to redouble your efforts to reestablish that trust. So it starts with the small things. So in the case of spouses, like maybe it's just sharing your phone um, password. Something simple, and doesn't mean they're gonna be checking, but the fact that they know that they can is a little thing that, re that begins to lay the foundation for trust. So with yourself, with you and yourself, some little things that you can do is just establishing small habits. Like let's say that um, you always sleep in and so you're not able to do anything that you said you were going to do in the morning, such as maybe exercise or maybe have a, a good breakfast or whatever it is that you've promised yourself. Just start small. So let's just say, let's just wake up 15 minutes earlier than you normally do. And you're going to put your phone across the room from you so that you have no choice but to get up when it goes, when the alarm goes off. So something like that, and then just that, like don't add any other habits, just do that for a few weeks until that becomes automatic. And then you add another habit. So little by little, you're showing yourself that, look, I am a trustworthy person. I can do what I say I'm going to do. I can be there for myself, okay? So the actions are really good. Like let's say you have, and you probably have bigger goals. Like let's say you wanna increase your income, let's say or you wanna change your career, you know, something bigger. Okay, so you're still going to establish those small little wins for yourself, but that really isn't enough. Because the reason why it's not enough is because our mindset is what really determines our results in life. Because the mindset is much more powerful than the conscious mind. Uh, the conscious mind are basically like our habits, the things we say that we believe. You know, if somebody asks you, well, do you believe in such and such? You know, like, do you believe in your country or do you believe in God? Like maybe you might say, yes, you know, I, I believe, you know, I'm proud to be an American or proud to be whatever nationality you are. Um, but your subconscious is what you really believe. Okay? Your, your mindset is what you really believe. So it's not enough to just set actions in place, although that's extremely powerful and very important. And I think it should come first, 
because those actions are concrete reasons why you should trust yourself. But you're now you're going to have to work on your, your mindset, your subconscious. And if you think about your subconscious and your conscious, I like to think of the analogy, again, going with the marriage of the traditional old fashioned, you know, man is the head of the house. The wife is the supporter um, of the household, you know, and those are outdated, of course, but it's very helpful for this example, because while the man might be considered the man of the house, the leader, you know, he sets the pace for the household. The most influential person in the household is that wife, that mother, because if, you know, that old saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Okay. That's, that's powerful. And that's real because she's going to set the emotional, um, she's going to set the emotional bar for the household. So the man might be going out there, bringing home, you know, the money and setting up the lifestyle, but what's going on inside that house is going to have a lot to do with how she feels. Okay. And that's the same with conscious mind and subconscious mind. So your conscious mind is all the things you say you believe, you know, I'm patriotic, you know, I believe in God. I, you know, believe that people should work hard. You know, I believe this, that, and the other, you know, I believe in family, let's say. But if you have subconscious beliefs that contradict that, like, let's say, well, my family, you know, doesn't believe in me. So you might say, well, I believe family is important. But if you also believe subconsciously that your family is not supportive or they're toxic in some way, then you might believe family is important, but you might not spend any time with your family because you don't actually enjoy being around them. <laughs> so your subconscious mind, you know, you don't like these people. Okay. That's going to be more powerful than your conscious belief that family is important. Okay. So that's why we have to work on both our actions and our subconscious. And that's where we start the, the training. Okay. So page 60 of this of the book, Think and Grow Rich, has a wonderful quote on this. It says, a mind dominated by positive emotions becomes a favorable abode for the state of mind known as faith. A mind so dominated may at will give the subconscious mind instructions which it will accept and act upon immediately. Okay. So the subconscious mind also that's where we're going to give off quote unquote vibes. So if you've ever, I mean, obviously whenever you encounter another person, okay, you may not be conscious of it, but your subconscious picks up on their subconscious. So have you ever met somebody and you just feel like they are nervous or they are uncomfortable in their own skin or they're sneaky, or there's just something that you're picking up on, you're picking up on in their subconscious. And you may not be able to articulate it, like why you don't like this person or why you don't trust this person, but it's very tiny little things that we've evolved to develop where we have to assess a situation immediately. So this, this is our survival strategy. So, and it's very trustworthy. So if someone makes you uncomfortable, there's something going on in their subconscious that's affecting your subconscious. And there's either a match or there's a mismatch. I was watching this show called uh, Portrait Artist of the Year the other day, and I have an example that really, I think, demonstrates this. One of the, um, the people on the show is this actor, Alan Cumming. He was having his portrait done in the finale of season two, and I, I didn't know anything about this actor. He looked fairly familiar, but I, I really wasn't familiar with him. 
But what struck me about this guy is that he seemed extraordinarily self-confident, just comfortable in his own skin, not in an arrogant, because arrogance is insecurity. I mean, I think I talked about that last week. This person seemed utterly at ease with himself and it was so attractive and so engaging. It's like, man, this person would be an awesome person to paint because just their inner joy, their inner passion for life, their inner self-confidence really came through. And there's a quote on page 62 that really speaks of this. So it says, every man is what he is because of the dominating thoughts which he permits to occupy his mind. So this actor, Alan Cumming, and you find this out kind of through the dialogue back and forth between the artist and, and him, is that he's, he is a person who believes in joy. He has really deep-seated beliefs that he puts into practice, and it really comes through. You know, it, it really shows forth, and, and we do this all the time. So the book calls the process of, of actively developing your subconscious auto-suggestion. Now, I don't use that term, but the reason why I don't use it is because auto-suggestion is, is something that exists whether you do this stuff or not. Like, if you're just the average person, you do practice auto-suggestion, you just don't know it, <laughs> okay? Auto-suggestion is by default. So we, as I mentioned before, we give off a vibe based on what our current auto-suggestion is. So, for example, we, we talk to ourselves all day long. So, for example, one thing that I had to correct in myself is that anytime I did something like made a mistake or did something wrong, I would always say to myself, God, you're stupid. God, you're dumb. <laughs> and I would say it just as a knee jerk reaction. And I had to really stop myself. It's like, I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. I'm extremely intelligent. Everybody makes mistakes and it's usually like really small things, you know, just like, you know, like maybe pouring some milk and I forgot to take the cap off. My like, God, you're stupid. <laughs> you know? And sometimes it made me laugh, but you have to be careful of that too, because sometimes people put themselves down, you know, and put other people down too as like a way of humor. But you know, the subconscious mind doesn't know anything about that. It, it takes your word at face level. So if you're calling yourself stupid, what, what's going to happen over time is that you're training yourself to think of yourself as a stupid or careless person. And you come to expect stupid and careless things from yourself. And this is not acceptable. So ha habits are hard to break. So it's still a habit, but I correct myself immediately and correct myself. No, you're not stupid. You just made a simple mistake like anybody else makes. Now, the longer I keep that up, the longer it's going to become a default and eventually I'll just stop doing it. But it takes time. So I call this process faith training. So speaking about the whole goal of achieving success in your life, faith training is really important because the reason why you don't have the success already is because on some level you don't have a whole lot of faith in yourself. And so this process of of training our minds and our mindsets and our subconscious, I call it faith training, because you're, you're taking your volition, you're purposely, instead of by default, you're purposely shaping and forming the, the things that you say to yourself so that, um, so that success becomes, and this is the goal, success needs to become something that feels natural and inevitable. 
not foreign and scary because this is why there's resistance and there's sort of this push-pull attitude towards money and success is that we have mixed feelings. So because it doesn't feel natural for us to be more successful than we are now or to have more money or, or what have you, whatever your goal is, it feels foreign. And anytime something feels foreign, it's gonna also feel scary, scary. And if something feels foreign and scary, what's gonna happen is you're going to approach it and then you're gonna shrink back from it. You're going to self-sabotage yourself and you're gonna quote unquote procrastinate. And all procrastination is, is fear that has materialized into inaction. So it's not so much that, like when we think of doing something and then we don't do it, Sometimes it's just because it's boring and we have to, you know, remind ourselves of why we're doing it. And that's usually easier to get over. But a lot of times it's actually fear-based. We're procrastinating because we know that what we're about to do is going to bring us closer to success. But that success still feels very uncomfortable, very foreign, very scary. And through faith training, we're teaching ourselves to look at faith, I mean, to look at our success as something that is natural and even inevitable and that is what builds faith okay so now that we know what the goal is the goal is for success to feel familiar how you actually go about it is up to you now the book think and grow rich suggests the process that i talked about last week which is you know writing out the amount of money that you want to have um, the time that you want to achieve that and then the plan that you um, intend to do, the service that you intend to render in order to get it and do that morning and night. So that's the goal that uh, the book sets forth for auto-suggestion. But really it's up to you because now that you know the goal, which again is for success to feel familiar, how you go about that, you can be creative with it. You can come up with your own plan. Now I like his plan, um, but I have, here's what I do. I have a list of things that I do and that what worked for me. So I have a binder and that binder has a list of goals in it. And I look through that goal list usually every morning, um, but there are times when I miss. So I try to do it every morning. I absolutely do it most days of the week. So, and it's, it's very easy. It doesn't take very long. I just have a bullet point um, of list, uh, a list of goals. And prior to those goals, I have a vision statement, which is kind of an, it's, it's a statement of what I want my life to be and it has word pictures so that I can really get into it. It's very short, it's like a couple paragraphs, but it's speaking as if I've already achieved that goal. So I read through that, I read through the actual list of goals. I use ThinkUp, which is an app that um, you record your affirmations in your own voice. So affirmations are positive statements about yourself. I meditate, I've been meditating for years and that's a spiritual practice. But it's, it also, it brings you the kind of self-knowledge and peace of mind that you need to achieve your goals. So I include meditation as part of this process. I do yoga and I exercise. And the way that ties in is that a lot of times anxiety can lodge itself into your body without you knowing it. And that's kind of, um, it's more of an intangible kind of a thing but it really does like a stiff neck or stiff back. A lot of times it's stress that has lodged itself into your body. And, and a lot of times it lodges yourself into your major joints, like your hip joints, you know, your back of your <clears throat> back of your neck, your spine, things like that, your head, like headaches a lot of times. So 
yoga and exercise are things that kind of open up your, your veins and your blood vessels. It dislodges a lot of that anxiety and stress and it just keeps you moving forward. Self-hypnosis is very, very powerful. And self-hypnosis, I super duper recommend this. If there's something that you really seem stuck on, like it's just a pattern that you've, it feels so entrenched, it feels like impossible to dislodge. Like maybe you've been trying to lose weight forever or like quit smoking or something like that. Like you can go to, to a hypnotist and get actual hypnosis and that works too. Just do your research to make sure it's like somebody good. <laughs> but self-hypnosis really, really has worked for me. So I do that. Another thing I do is I do have a vision board and it's just like images of, um, you know, outpouring of, of what I want my life to look, look like. So it's sort of like taking the thoughts that you have on the inside and you're externalizing them so that you can look at it and just in a quick, like the, the beauty of imagery is that it's very quick. It's like you take a look and without a whole lot of words or, you know, effort, you see exactly what you're going for. So that's why vision boards are very powerful. Um, I write a daily to-do list. So this is more on the practical side. I have a white, I have several whiteboards actually on my walls. One of them is a daily to-do list. Um, another one has mid-length goals, like the art classes that I'm in, for example, and when I expect to achieve them and the homework that I need to do or the exercise I need to do or paintings that I'm working on. And then I have another whiteboard that's more long-term goals, or sometimes they are um, side goals. Like right now, I'm in a 90-day challenge to um, get in shape and to lose a little bit of weight. So I have a whiteboard of that that's tracking you know, my weight, my activities. I listen to a YouTube channel called Vibo, and which is extremely power, powerful and positive. And usually it's like a major motivational speaker, you know, talking about success principles. Um, and I've joined several groups, um, like kind of like mastermind groups. They're groups that are talking about entrepreneurial success, two groups like that. And then, um, an, an separate art business group. And then, um, another thing on the practical side is I spend 20 to 40 weeks working on my goals, like actually working on my goals, you know, creating my website, creating products, you know, working on my art, so, so on and so forth. And when I started putting this into practice, cause like I said, I've been meditating for years, but I wasn't and exercising as well, but I wasn't doing any of the other stuff. So my auto suggestion was more, you know, on the status quo side. So I, I wasn't achieving anything. But in the two years that I've actually been putting this into place, the first year I doubled my income and the second year I increased it by another 73%. And so I think the reason why it's slowing down is just there's a natural cap to when you're working for someone else, there's only so much they're going to pay you. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You know, they're in business for themselves and you're as an employee signed on to help them achieve their goal and they're just only going to pay you so much. That's just, that's just the way it is. Um, so in order to make more, a lot of times you do have to find a way to either run the company like CEOs, you know, can, can make substantial amounts of money or more likely is you're going to have to go out on your own and either do a side hustle in addition to your job or to actually break off onto your own and create something for yourself. So those are amazing results in just a couple of years. And it's just as this stuff is becoming now second nature for me, that's why I'm teaching it now because I want to share, you know, I'm so blown away by my own success. I mean, that's a, that's a huge change in lifestyle in two years. And that's just what's possible when you set your mind towards something. And I'm trying to create 
a community of people that are success-minded and who are positive and who are basically being beneficial presences on the planet, raising the standard of the world to a higher one. Because those, that, frankly, those are the kind of people that are gonna like my work because my work is, is not the kind of work that focuses on struggle or protest or, I mean, I think protest is valid. I'm not against that, but my approach is to put out into the world what I actually want to achieve because frankly, that's what's worked for me is to create a vision for myself and then match that with my actions and my mindset. So that's what I try to do with my art. I'm trying to create a world that I want to live in. And so by putting it out there, what I'm calling the world to is a higher standard. And that's my own personal goal. Whatever your business is or your creative venture or <clears throat> what, what have you, you know, you're gonna have to create your own standard, but it's very important to set that standard and then figure out how to achieve it. All right, so that is faith and auto-suggestion from the book Think and Grow Rich. So I hope that was helpful. Um, please feel free to visit my website and leave me a comment. My website is my name, ravenkushner.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next week, have a beautiful and productive day and week, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.